Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by Invoice to Go. I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, today we're speaking with Cynthia Siadat from Living Fully Therapy. Many of us struggle with anxiety, depression, and putting too much pressure on ourselves to achieve our goals. In this episode, we discuss how to handle these emotions and pressures and learn how Cynthia started her business too. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Cynthia, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Ah, oh, we're so good. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. Um, Cynthia, can you tell us a little bit about how you started Living Fully Therapy and, and your career up until this point? Sure. Well, I started Living Fully Therapy actually um, for t- strong, independent women. And over the years, it's just kind of evolved and changed and what it's turned into um particularly because I wanted to be sensitive to anybody who didn't identify as uh, female mm, is that yes. there was, you know, an open, just tr- turning it down to living fully therapy. And um, I had started it because I was recently having moved to Los Angeles mm. and I had been in New York for about five years and I went to grad school out there did all of my clinical hours out there and got my licensure out there. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Beautiful. And uh, unfortunately, when I moved to California, there's all these rules and regulations of why I can't practice here. Really? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah. Strangely enough, from state to state, it's very, very different. Um, And California, unfortunately, is one of the more stringent ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me some time. Um, so I had to get really creative about how I was going to work with people one-on-one. And I, I was trying to figure out what I'd like to do because I was licensed in New York. Everything yeah. was virtual at first. So I was seeing um, women who were working in New York or were based in New York and working abroad. Yeah. Um, so I was seeing them all um, virtually for the first like year. What year were you doing this? In 2015, uh, 20, this now would have been 2016, actually. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you were doing it before it was cool, eh? <laughs> you know, it was kind of the beginning of it. And, yeah. and people were really reticent. They were like, okay, well, online, how secure is that? And how, yeah. how, like, how much can you connect with somebody really online? I mean, now we're finding it's totally fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just a little bit more hand gestures and you can kind of get the sense of yeah. <laughs> how somebody might be in a room. That's but. so true because so I saw a meme recently and I realized I did this. Is at the end of every Zoom meeting, I always wave to people, yeah. but I never wave to people mm-hmm. when I actually leave a room. So is that why it's, we're, we're overcompensating with body language so that we can really communicate with each other? Absolutely, because yeah. we're having to make up for so many different um, nonverbal visual cues that we usually get when we're in person in a room with somebody. Yeah. But then 
if we don't see those things, if I only see like from your chest to the top of your head, I'm not sure if there's like something happening down below. Like some people, (laughs) there's like an ongoing joke around um, therapist networks about some therapists texting on the side. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's awful. That is awful. Uh, But but I just want to, you know, because that's circulating, I want people to know, no, my hands are free. It's just me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm really here with you. And so I found, yeah, yeah, hand gestures saying hello and goodbye. It's, it's, It's kind of, you know, that's been the adjustment, really. So you've been navigating this as someone who people, I mean, I get really attached to my therapist. I'm I'm not ashamed to say Mm -hmm. that. But so I could see how people, you know, you would have to, in your position, be very cognizant of how you are communicating with your hands and, and things like that when you're doing virtual counseling. I I really do. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of training com- becoming a psychotherapist where you and it goes from varying degrees of of study, but just being um, somebody who really practices a, a a high level of self awareness when they're sitting with somebody else. Yeah. Um, oh wow. There's okay. like. Uh, there's there's supervision times where you're talking um, with your supervisor that you've recorded. This is something I, I didn't actually do. I had to do for some of the trainees I have supervised. Yeah. But like they had to videotape their session and yeah. I would watch their body language and say, well, what? What happened with when when they said that your body shifted in this way? What was going on? Yeah. And okay. like really having somebody be like grow in that awareness of how they're carrying themselves when they're talking with somebody else. I've always wanted to ask a therapist, like when someone tells you something truly horrendous, like how do you not cry? Like how do you not, how do you keep yourself in check? Because you're human, (laughs) you know? Mm, Like how do you do that? No, I mean, sometimes I'll tear up. I, you know, I I think um, there's, uh, I will tear up, I think, that is such a validating nonverbal thing for a therapist to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and really just be able to be compassionate and empathetic towards what this person might be experiencing. And I, I, I can say I probably tear up more often than I kind of keep a straight face. Many yeah. of my clients know yeah. that I've got a really expressive face. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's and so uh, and of course, you know, there's a level of propriety. Like I'm not gonna like take over the sessions with my with my tears, but yeah. um, but just I, I think the important part of the training for me had been like at the end of the day, reminding myself like that is their their experience. That's not my experience. Yeah, and I can feel for them, but it, it's not mine, and it's a real kind of training of my brain. Yeah, to would not you, take it on. Yeah, yeah. would you say you were mm-hmm. always a natural empath or is it a skill that you developed as you went through your training to become a therapist? It was, it, it's been like, I, I, I tell my clients a lot, we're not born with any particular skill. Okay. But because of our life experiences, um, because of my life experiences, I had to become really keenly aware of the people around me. Mm. Um, I I grew up in a Filipino-American home, Mm. and um, as many Filipino-Americans will attest to, uh, talking about emotions is definitely not 
common. And I'm yeah. sure it's common, not common in many households that are not Filipino-American. But mm-hmm. the most uh, common word for any emotion, doesn't matter if it was angry or sad or happy, the, the, the defining term in my family was weird. Ah. And that was all I got. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it left me needing to, you know, pick up on other cues. You know, is somebody tearing? Or is their face kind of flushing? Are their bodies tense? You know, like these things. Um, just in my own upbringing, I had to be pretty aware of. Yeah. I can't imagine how you guys do it, to be honest. Like, I couldn't, I mean, I would go, like, bash the windows out of somebody's car if I heard of them doing something bad. I guess you can't do that virtually. But if I heard of them doing something bad to my, you know, like, because you, I'm sure you hear really oh terrible gosh. things. And you just feel rage. Oh you gosh. feel, like, I, I couldn't I handle it every day. I don't know how you guys carry it around. So hats oh, off to you. Well, it's, uh, you know, I think what I see my my job in those sessions because I do I do show my emotion I do a a big part of my work is modeling how to share these kinds of emotions when we're feeling them yeah in those kinds of ways that are more uh, like imagining like a pressure cooker of emotion if we just let the lid up just a little bit at a time we can try and stave off or prevent like a big blowout yeah (laughs) so you know, if there are ways that I can verbalize or validate, um, you know, somebody really going through something that was just totally, um, like, totally unacceptable, you know, mm-hmm. like, no one should ever go through that. Yeah. Um, I'll say so, you know, it's like, especially, you know, when it comes to talking about younger personhood, and we're talking about, like, you know, things that had happened when they were younger, Right. And just like with the wisdom of who they are now, and primarily I work with ages like 22 up. Yeah. Um, It's like in the wisdom of your age now, would you say that aged person, that aged child should have dealt with that? Like objectively, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And in some cases, definitely not. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Giving voice to those things. Yeah. We had a family friend when I was in high school. It was one of my dad's best friends. And he was actually a social worker that was in charge of going into, like, really bad home environments and getting the children out. Really? When they needed mm-hmm. to be taken from their from mm-hmm. really bad home environments. And I just honestly think that the work that you guys do, and I'll shut up about it after this, I promise. <laughs> but um, it's just it's just so important. And it's everybody should be in therapy. Like it should be a government mandated thing <laughs> that mm-hmm. you go oh, and everybody gosh. talks to a therapist. Yeah. You know? It shouldn't just be a reactionary oh thing for like when you're going through something. something it should be like bad. mental fitness where right. you're like working out on your mental health <laughs> like you do to the gym. Like how to cope. Oh with my things. gosh. I have I have been scheming on how to make that happen. I'm not quite sure what that looks like yet. But it it just I mean, you're so right. We the last time I had learned about any kind of emotions, I was like six. Yeah. You know, is like we're we're in preschool, kindergarten, some something around that age. And Basically, we're functioning with very complicated emotions with very basic tools. Right. And so it's, it's really, uh, I mean, I would agree with you. I think um, any avenue for somebody to get to talk through their feelings, whether it's with therapy or with friends, mm-hmm. you know, just getting to talk about them openly, like, is, is very, very important. Yeah. So 
what do you, I mean, we have a lot of strong, independent women out there. And, you know, I mean, it's, I feel like we're not quite in the world that fully accepts strong, independent women as much as it should or could. Um, But that's just my opinion. So what do you feel? I I hope we're on the way there. The future is female. eh? (laughs) Um, But what do you feel are the most common like themes that you hear from your from your clients? Is there anything that sticks out? Oh, gosh, just that self-inflicted kind of pressure. Right. To do the thing that's so counterintuitive to them. I mean, one of, one of the wonderful things about, I, I find with all people, but particularly when somebody's um, more in touch with their feminine ability, the intuition is so strong. And so there's, there's a lot of pressure, I think, given how success structures are made and everything mm-hmm. that I think it, we're taught to not pay attention to those things and not to value those things when they're happening. Um, and so I find, you know, you know, C-level, um, C-level women who are in the corporate environment really working hard at trying to maintain, you know, their, you know, people taking them seriously at work and being a sensitive human and a person who has, you know, mm-hmm. is in touch with their intuition. Yeah. Um, that's a really common one. And then sometimes people feeling just like they don't have an intuition, which I, I can promise them that, that they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just, it's just quieter and, and deserving of us getting to slow things down and listen to what it's actually, you know, trying to tell them. Yeah. yeah, it's. Um, I, I was loving reading on your website the kind of therapy that you offer and how you how you help your clients. And um, I think something that really stood out to me is that you actually work a lot with people who describe themselves as high achievers, um, mm. and that this yeah. kind of yeah. this type of person. I'm sure there's many listening, and I would, you know, I class myself as someone who's like this as well. Like wants to do the absolute best, and you are, and, and go you for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Be super yep, ambitious. The absolute best. Yes. Why do yep, you think yep. people bigger, better, stronger? Kind yeah, of yeah, always. Yeah. Never-ending goals. Like, I guess maybe I'm answering my own question, but why do you think people who are like this suffer from depression and anxiety and and having this huge internal pressure? Yeah, I, I think it it's because they're smart. Mm-hmm. I think it's because they are very thoughtful people who are who are just like navigating a number of, you know, really challenging things every day. And so, you know, if you're paying attention, if you're somebody who's paying attention to the world around you, because you need to in order to kind of navigate it, you know, there's a lot of information that you're taking in. Mm. And so lots of different things can happen. Like um, somebody can go definitely into that mode of overwhelm, like overwhelm stress, Mm -hmm. um, too much information kind of stuff. Um, People can start to think that because they have as much information as they do or as as much ability as they do and they have a lot, is that they're just supposed to be the one to fix every problem in front of their team, in front of their field, in front of their family, friends, yeah. you know, they're supposed to be the one that has it, to, has the answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find a lot of women that you talk to? I've got two, two questions for you. 
really about myself. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I told you, I was excited I to get you I on this it. podcast. But it's stuff that I hear from my friends, right? Because I have a lot of mm-hmm. high achieving women friends. You know, you surround yourself with people who inspire you. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I find that a lot of them feel an unbelievable responsibility for everything, including mm-hmm. others, yeah. fixing others, solving everything, yeah. fixing everything. What is that? Mm-hmm. And what do you say? <laughs> what do you say to those people? Sure, sure. I I hear a couple of things happening. In, in having to adapt to a structure of success that is inherently more masculine, it's mm-hmm. like achieving, competing, um, it, it just, uh, you know, they're stereotypically masculine, I should say. Mm. It, it kind of comes in tandem with the pressures of that. It comes in tandem with something that all young women as, as they're growing up are conditioned to believe that they are the caregiver for everybody. Yeah. You know, they're, they're to have these certain qualities of, of watching after others. Right. Um, kind of that benevolent uh, kind of presence in, in the people around them in their lives. Um, and so it's just a, it's a combination of these compete, seemingly competing. I, I argue with my clients that you can have both. It, it just, um, it just takes listening to what your internal, your intuition, I think that's the best word I, I can think of, um, yeah, your your inner. I, I was just pausing to think if I could think of another <laughs> uh, another word I've used with people, but it's it's your internal sense, mm. your internal sense of what what thing to use at what moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and trusting it, because that's something that I find all of the women that I've worked with have have had have. Um, have sometimes ignored, sometimes listened to, and had like great things come out of that. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's, it's the, that idea that we can't have both, but right. that we can, it's just, they don't necessarily happen at the same time. Well, mm. and the thing about it is sometimes you're just freaking exhausted, <laughs> right? Like oh, sometimes yeah. you're achieving and then you're fixing and then you're like mm-hmm. helping and then you're like taking all of this responsibility mm-hmm. on that yeah. isn't, and we just mm-hmm. burn out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oh. hard. Oh that, my gosh! Yeah, is that I mean, the that's, that's exactly what happened. That's yeah. exactly what happened when I was in that director role. Yeah, I yeah. was like taking on way too much. I um, I took the bus in because I was like, I don't want to drive in Los Angeles. I want to like spare the air. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or um, you know, I'm there. I'm staying extra long because there's families who who are like dropping off their their loved one for the first time. Um, I want to get there early so that I can prepare for a d- another family the next day. You yeah. know, like it's, it, it was just like the, the amount that I was just outpouring, outpouring, um, just led to my own burnout. So my second personal, not personal question. <laughs> so I noticed, okay, so I like to, to quote Elizabeth Taylor. She had like seven husbands. You know, she just uh-huh. like she had yeah. this beautiful career and all of this stuff. But then she also like just kind of went through all these relationships and it was quite whatever. But I have noticed a lot of high achieving women have a hard time 
maintaining like a relationship that is steady. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like Mm -hmm. all of these issues, like I hear a lot about, you know, my friends talking about how they're worried about emasculating the guy that they're dating because they earn more money or Mm -hmm. like all of these Mm -hmm. things that they worry about. And like, there's this funny joke, like not funny, funny, not funny, but we, we talk about like starter husbands, like, oh, it's okay. It was just your starter husband. (laughs) All the best women have starter husbands. You know what I mean? Like, it's just because a, a marriage fails or something, like something extremely hurtful happens because of your other ambitions. I mean, do you find that that's common? Is that just something I'm noticing? Is it, you know, what do you find? You know, I think part, uh, I, I think a big part of that, because that, that's what I'll see coming in is that there's these really strong women coming into therapy in these relationships that they really want to preserve, but then they're having a hard time preserving them. Right. Um, and, and part of that is, uh, like, my, my, my thought around it is that because, you know, I, I guess I keep referring back to this, this very competitive structure, but yeah. that's, that's kind of the air of, of career that we've been given, is like, you've got to climb, you have to achieve, you have to get up to the top. And sometimes, you know, we all know the term cutthroat. Right. We all the know, know the terms of, like, you know, didn't hack it. Mm. Or like, you know, the, these kinds of terminologies that we've all heard. And so when somebody is in an environment where they've been taught or conditioned to understand that it's cutthroat or they need to like be on their A game, like that's mm-hmm. another one, they need to be on their A game or else they'll fail, you know, yeah. winning, losing, all of those terms, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're in a, in a state of threat, they're not, they're not in a safe place. So then they're not going to be able to feel their feelings. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. the body's focused on keeping them safe. Um, So it's, it's in, in that kind of um, near survival mode, Mm. um, emotionally, anyhow, because, because one of the things my, one of my mentors taught me recently was that we are currently living in the safest age that we ever have been. Do I feel that? Do many of the other people I know feel that? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're, we're just like, we, we're not. But, or like, that's not the understanding, but, you know. I mean, yeah, saber-toothed tigers aren't chasing us, but almost fucking exactly. everything else is. Like, <laughs> it's like a pandemic <laughs> Almost us. everything else yeah, is. Like, exactly. Every, but yeah. then, oh my gosh. But then the, the reality is, right, is like, it's, that is all in our mind. Yeah. That is all, like, like, I feel the stress, like right now as I'm sitting here talking with you, I'm like, I don't want to get COVID. Yeah. I'm terrified of this election happening on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what that's going to mean for yeah. me and my family, my yeah. loved ones, my clients. Um, but in reality, what I can see, touch, taste, you know, all those things, the things that actually clue me in that it is reality. I'm really sitting at a beautiful desk, a beautiful mid-century modern wood desk in one of my favorite dresses with one of my favorite candles going. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like, good. That's really what's happening. But right. then the, the mentality, the, the kind of psychological threat is so, um, so real. And I think we've been um, given lots of opportunity to practice it being at, you know, kind of at attention for us. Yes. So. 
That was one of my questions, mm-hmm. actually, is how, like, everything that I've kind of seen of how to control emotions and just, you know, be more grounded is to have an awareness of your feelings and what's going on and, like, recognise mm-hmm. something and then let it pass mm-hmm. by by a cloud. But what if... By a cloud? Yes, like, like a cloud. You have, you have clouds. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. the clouds God, I need some clouds. Bad thoughts. Yep. You're like, oh, send it away. <laughs> and sometimes, like, for me, that just isn't enough. Like... Yeah. I'm, I'm aware yeah. of, I feel like really stressed and I've got this, all this pressure and, um, you know, yeah. the yeah. anxiety, but it's not enough yeah. to stop it. So what kind of techniques can we use gotcha. to control those emotions or should that we really be work? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That really, you know, the, the things, there are a number of things I, I tend to frequently suggest because they are things that I've tried myself and then I know they work. Um, sometimes, you know, how we think, how we think and talk with ourselves in our minds really matters and the words really matter. Mm-hmm. So I was, I'm actually doing a Q&A online right now and somebody last week's theme for the Q&A, I do them by week now, um, was overwhelmed. And somebody asked me a similar question to this of like, I feel when I feel overwhelmed, but I feel like I have no space Mm -hmm. to take care of myself. What do I do? You know, is it's uh, one of the, one of the tools that I had shared with that person was that when we're thinking, you know, I've got no space, like I don't have space that becomes the reality in which Mm. that we're kind of functioning. Yeah. So you know, we can't fight those kinds of thoughts. Our anxiety is like throw in all the worst case scenarios at us so that we can survive. It like really means well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the, the tool I like to share with people is adding words like sometimes or yet. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't have space yet. Or sometimes I don't have space. Right. And that's okay. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's being able to acknowledge the moment and let it know, you know, this is just a moment, you know, it's yeah. like it, reminding yourself, have I ever been this overwhelmed before? Chances are yes. Yeah. Did it ever not end? Yeah. No. It eventually ended and you eventually kept going, mm-hmm. but you had to go through some really mucky feeling before you got there. Right. Um, so but- those are, those are a couple of things. So it's like, really watching the terminology. I just heard um, in a meditation the other day, um, as I was trying to focus on my breathing, the instruction was um, if you, if you have a thought pop up while you're trying to focus on your breathing, have like insert the thought, like intentionally insert the thought. Oh, well. And as I was doing that, it really, I mean, I can't, I can't, I, I'm super excited to share this with my clients. You guys are actually yeah. the first people that oh, I'm sharing good. this with. Um, but but this came out of, um, there's a cardiologist by the name of Dr. Benson. He created this um, method because he was trying to have his cardiac patients feel less stress. Uh, and so he, he gave them this tool of like, oh, well. Right. And the, um, it's really kind of a, it's kind of a, brilliant tool in, yeah. in my my experience of it and my conceptualization of it for sure <laughs> you know I the, so okay so I had a, a bit of a um a bit of a breakdown after 
mm-hmm. you know, sometime after late 2016, just a mental, just I'd, I'd had like a, you know, uh, not a breakdown, but it's mm-hmm. it was like a I need to change my life moment, you know, maybe a third yeah. life crisis. Um, Brene Brown calls, Brene Brown calls those breakthroughs. Breakthroughs. Okay, oh. I had a breakthrough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and for my boss who's listening to this, it was definitely a breakthrough, not a breakdown. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so I actually went and lived in India for a little while, um, just Mm -hmm. a a short amount of time. But I, you know, studied in a shala and took time and learned pranayama and all this stuff. And this this quote always stuck with me, and I hope it sticks with everyone Mm -hmm. because it's really— so Rumi says, when you walk out on the way, the way appears, right? So you can choose Mm -hmm. that direction Mm -hmm. because when you just Mm -hmm. start walking— you will keep going in that direction. Like the the way will open up for you, right? And it it can be negative or it can be positive. It's really mm-hmm. your choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just start yeah. walking. Just start being positive and start yeah. changing your own thoughts, and mm-hmm. then it will change your reality. And that's kind of what stuck with me, even though I don't always remember it yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> during my breakthroughs. Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's that's all right. I mean, like I've got tools, you know, in my in my toolbox. And I don't always remember them. Sometimes I'm still like, oh, God, yeah. why did I X, Y, Z? But, you know, they're there, you know, as an and the empowering point about that that I tell my clients is like, you have it. You just, you know, can choose to not pick it up or pick it up, you know, as and neither way is wrong. It's just it's still a choice. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. It's always a choice. It's always a choice. And sometimes oh, you can start going in the wrong way and you can still make the choice, right? Mm-hmm. It's yes. never there's never yeah. a time where it's too late to make the choice. You can always turn mm-hmm. your direction mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been so good. <laughs> I feel so much better. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so, I, I really <laughs> Let's talk about your business. I mean, I really business. love that. <laughs> okay, sure. Sure, um, let's talk about it. So um, you, do you find, how do you mostly find your clients? Is it word of mouth? Like how, how do you find clients sure. other than going on their um, podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mostly find clients because I'm uh, a provider on a couple of insurance panels, mm. um, United Behavioral Health and mm. Cigna. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually find my clients with them or they find me on, um, a website called psychology today mm-hmm. and yes. you can kind of filter everything to find a, a therapist who's like, who meets the criteria that you're hoping them to meet. Yeah. Um, and that's everything from like requesting a female or male therapist or somebody who works close to you or somebody who deals with anxiety or OCD or, you yeah. know. Yeah, can get real specific, um, and uh, so I'll I'll get clients there. But I I catch like I've been doing it long enough now that I'm starting to get these phone calls of like, you know, so and so one of my former clients recommended you to me recently. Somebody let me know that they had been waiting to work with me for three months Aww. and had been calling. Um, I, I'm a part of a group practice in downtown LA as well. Just, you know, I, I want to keep that camaraderie with, with other therapists because private practice can be isolating sometimes. Yes. Um, but, but she apparently had been calling the center for three months, checking to see if I had availability. And I just, I, I think when, when she told me that she had been referred to me, um, I, 
I can't really describe that feeling. I think it was, it, I felt proud mm-hmm. and, and humbled. Um, cause I, you know, I don't really know what happens when my clients end services with me. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if they go off and then they feel like, you know, things are, things are great. I have all these tools right now. And, you know, I know that I can reach out to Cynthia if I need it or, you know, if they're unhappy, sometimes people are unhappy with working with me or, you know, with any therapist. Yeah. And, um, so I really don't know. Um, so it was like, uh, like just, yeah, just a proud moment, but also a humbling moment. Cause I didn't, it, it's, it was a bit of information for me to know that, that client felt good enough about our work together to recommend me yeah. to their friend. You have a beautiful brand, by the way. Yeah. If you guys you. go to IamLivingFully.com, this is Cynthia's mm-hmm. brand, and it's gorgeous. So that's another, I have to say, um, like when you go, it's Thank so inviting, you. and you're just, you're calm. You're just, you've done a great job. Yeah, it looks very professional and trustworthy. Would you ever do like, is this like not a done thing in therapy, but in in marketing, we often Mm. give people an exit survey on why they've chosen to (laughs) end something like. To see if they, yeah, like a customer when they're in their last session. Yeah. Like, is that something that you can do with a therapist? Like, oh, like option one, I feel like I've come to the end of Mm -hmm. what I need or option two, Mm -hmm, this isn't mm -hmm. right for me or something. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I want to make sure that I I understood like is there like a kind of feedback um, yeah. like tool or something that therapists can use? I think is what I heard. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I tend to um, leave. You know, there. Let me think. How can I? Uh, I don't think that that is a practice that therapists employ mm-hmm. of like you know, asking for kind of a, almost like a Yelp-like review (laughs) of of feedback. Um, Though I have been offered it. I think it's really sweet when clients are like, where can I write a review about you? And I'm like, you know what, just live well and and where I'm good. I'm happy to know, you know, and and if anything comes up, just reach out. And, um, you know, I don't tend to ask for it out for my, uh, you know, it's certainly nice to hear words of affirmation. I will kind of take that in when it happens, but I tend to ask clients at the end of my sessions, like, well, what went well for you mm-hmm. and what could have been different or what do you feel like you're taking away? I think are the most common questions I'll ask. And I ask, you know, on one hand, yes, it feels really good for me to hear, but then on the other hand, I want them to be able to verbalize in the future to a, to a, if they have to work with a different therapist or want to work with a different therapist to say like, well, I liked these things, you know, mm-hmm. about working with my last therapist. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like my, my kind of parting gift of yeah. like, you know, just so you know, if you do come back to therapy and even if it's not with me, you know, these are the things that you're saying now that, you feel like made the biggest difference for you. Mm-hmm. 
I, I almost and think so, there should be handoff notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there are for other medical things. It's like yeah. struggled with this. and Because yeah. do you ever have that first yeah. therapy session? And I feel so bad because you're, you have to give them all the backstory of your life. And it just mm. gets longer as you get older. Mm. Right? Because it's like oh, I'm 36. Yeah. Like I, I got to explain a lot mm-hmm. of bullshit. You know? And then you're like, <laughs> okay. Like, a lot. Now that we've gotten through that and you understand where these things come from, yeah. let's move on to where we are today. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like if you had a medical history. Mm. That was similar mm-hmm. to your physical medical history. It yeah, would that's be like a big server. Yeah. yeah. It might be a bit easier yeah. for you guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, I've worked with people who are in their first time of therapy or, you know, they've been around the therapy loop a lot, you know, and yeah. they know kind of the, the different ways in which they can receive treatment and everything. But, like, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm also a person who has been in their own, I've been in my own therapy for years. Um, and, and part of why I keep going is because I don't want to forget what it's like to sit there mm-hmm. and have to talk yeah. about yeah, yeah. my feelings and talk about, you know, the kind of things that are going on in the background that nobody else but me and my subconscious know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I oftentimes take several sessions to talk through different parts of people's lives and take it super slow. Um, because you know, it it can feel like I got to tell you everything. I got to tell it all to, you know, and I also give my clients the option to not tell me, you know, it's like telling, letting, giving them the permission to give me what they want to give me. Mm -hmm. But then anything that feels like, "Mm, don't want to go there right now. Like that's also fine. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really important for people to know that they don't have to necessarily reveal everything right. if they don't yeah. want to. Right, because yeah. some to, people might not be yeah. there. Yeah, and if you're listening and you've that's you and you feel like you've held back from going to therapy, yeah, then oh, don't I'm, worry about it. Like You can still go and deal with some of the issues to like move forward yeah. and don't always have to reveal everything. Yeah, I mean, I'd tell yeah. a stranger yeah. on the bus. But, <laughs> um, I, so the other thing, so basically... I've, I've, do you see men at all, or do you just focus on on female clients? I I do I do okay. see men. I okay. think um, I think that has been something at the at the very beginning. I contemplated: Am I going to do this, or am I not? Um, and I really only started working with men when I joined this group practice that is in downtown LA, and that was last June or mm. so. And what I'm finding is that, you know, we're, we're all human. We right. all need of access course. to our emotion. Um, men have a different set of social expectations that they're living up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. That, you know, I'm only beginning to really appreciate. Um, but I think it's, it's tough. I think, I think men need it also. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah. I I have read a couple studies where men don't seek therapy as much as women do, mm-hmm. even though they need it just mm-hmm. as much. They just don't seek it. So it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. interesting. And then of course, you know, if you are a heterosexual female, that that ends up affecting you because you're no matter how much you're working through your stuff, you know, if your mm-hmm. your partner is male, if he's not working through his mm-hmm. stuff, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It it's can, like, how can we get more men in therapy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
I, I, I really feel like the best um, showcasing of what therapy can do mm. is like by you do you doing your own kind of work. Of course. And having the proof be in the evidence of yeah. like, you know, um, my, my, my own husband, he, he only recently went into therapy and I, while I don't, you know, uh, credit myself with getting him in there, I think over the years he has seen some different changes in me and right. seen, um, you know, seen how I've softened in, in a lot of ways where I, where I hadn't been before. So powerful. Oh, I, I just want to talk to you all day. Is that okay? How much would that be? <laughs> I, uh, well. <laughs> if people do want to find you, Cynthia, where, where can they find you to work yes. with you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you are interested in working with me or just want to know more about how, to, how it is to work with me, you can look at my website and it's IamLivingFully.com. And if you are an Instagram person, uh, my handle there is livingfullyig. Livingfullyig. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, I'm scheduling a consultation now. And thank you so, <laughs> so much for coming on. This has been incredible and insightful. And I'm just in awe of you. You've done such an amazing job. Thank you, Cynthia. Well, thank you, ladies. And thank you for having me. This is so cool that you're you're putting these stories out there. It's so important. Oh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. And I mean that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Have a good one. Stay safe. All right. You too. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap because the current U.S. gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%. Listeners of the